It's time for Success Profiles Radio with your host, Brian K. Wright. Have you ever wondered if there's more to life than you're currently living? Then Success Profiles Radio is the program for you. Every week, we'll explore different aspects of success and how to apply them to your life. Guests will come from many different backgrounds, including expertise in leadership, business, relationships, careers, networking, health, overcoming adversity, and much more. Every show is a dose of inspiration. This is Success Profiles Radio. And now, here's your host, Brian K. Wright. Hello and welcome to Success Profiles Radio. I'm your host, Brian K. Wright, and it is an absolute pleasure to be with you here today. I'm I'm very honored that you chose to spend part of your day with me here, and this is going to be such an amazing show. I can't wait. I'll be introducing my guest in just a moment, and I promise this will be a fun and informative hour. It will be great as always. I do want to take a minute or two to share some things I've been thinking and learning about lately, and I generally do this every single week. I did a Facebook Live recently about something that happened to me uh, yesterday, I went to get my hair cut and my beard trimmed. And when I walked out the door of the styling salon, I looked at my receipt and I noticed that my stylist did not charge me for the beard trim, which I thought was very generous. But then I also noticed two words on my receipt that said senior discount. My first reaction was, no, I am not old enough for this yet. I freaked out just a little bit. But about 20 seconds later, I started considering a different version of the story. Now, my haircut didn't take very long to do. And my stylist and I had a really terrific conversation. I've been there before. So since he didn't charge me for the beard trim, perhaps he was looking for the most legitimate way to discount the haircut as well. And the best way to do that was to assign the senior discount to me. And that's the version of the story I chose to receive and accept. What this shows me is that the story that any of us choose affects our thoughts and consequently our attitude our attitude toward the situation. This is true for everybody. So if something bothers you, even for a second, consider that an alternate explanation might actually be more accurate. If you look for the good in things, I promise you'll be so much happier. So let me introduce my guest. My very special guest this week is Tom Bilyeu. Let me tell you about him. He is the co-founder of Quest Nutrition, which was the second fastest growing private company in America in 2014 Inc. 500 list. He also, this company also has a valuation of over a billion dollars. He's also the host of Impact Theory. He's done so much. He inspires audiences of entrepreneurs, change makers, and thought leaders at some of the most prestigious conferences and seminars around the world. And he's also been a guest on the Tony Robbins podcast on the School of Greatness. That was a great interview. I listened to that recently. And he's also been featured in Forbes, Success, and Huffington Post. And he's also on the innovation board of the XPRIZE Foundation. So much going on. We will talk about so much of this as the show evolves. So before I forget, you can also download and subscribe to Success Profiles Radio on iTunes anytime you like for free. A review would be very great if you'd like to do that. So here we are with my very special guest, Tom Bilyeu. Tom, how are you today? Doing good, man. How about you? Fantastic. It's a great privilege to have you here. I'm so excited. I've been waiting for this and we have so much to talk about. So so let's get started. Uh, tell us a little bit about your background and some of the obstacles that you overcame and how you got to where you are now. For sure. So I started out as a filmmaker, went to film school. Um, my career in film school started well, but did not end well. And I ended up um, really crashing and burning. And this is back in the 90s. So when I graduated, it just seemed absolutely impossible to break into the film industry. I had no idea what I was doing. Um, end up teaching film, which then leads me, I end up meeting these um, two very successful entrepreneurs who invite me to join a startup they were doing as a copywriter. 
And they said, look, don't think of yourself as a copywriter. Understand that you can do anything, um, have any role you want in this company. You just have to become the right person for that job. And their whole pitch was you're coming to the world as an artist with your hand out. And if you want to control your art, you really have to get rich. And um, it just sounded so easy. And I thought, OK, perfect. Count me in. And that began my entrepreneurial journey, which ended up being uh, just utterly transformative everything from mindset to actually skill set perspective radically transformed and in all of that i went from chasing money just trying to get rich to realizing that did not suit my personality it did not bring out the best in me and ultimately gave up chasing money only to realize that in prioritizing adding value to people's lives in trying to help facilitate their transformations and celebrating them and trying to be a catalyst for change that we ended up building a much bigger business than we ever had when we were just trying to be clever marketers. So by the time you know Quest was cranking, we were making more in a single day than our previous technology company made annually. So it was really, really a fascinating lesson of really just focusing on adding value. That is so important. And there are a lot of entrepreneurs out there who seem to want to chase money and they're not looking necessarily to uh, chase value or to add an impact. It's like they're just moving from month to month just trying to survive. Do you think that might have something to do with why people tend to chase money is because they're in survival mode instead of thriving mode? I definitely think that's a reality that gets everyone on the hamster wheel. I think the reason that people stay on it and the reason that many people think of it as their primary motivator is because money's real. Money actually has power. And having a lot of money comes with a lot of power. And if you think of money as the great facilitator, then you'll have a much better understanding of really where the power behind money lies. When you think of it as something that is going to make you feel better and differently about yourself, that's where things go wrong. And, you know, so many people look at people with money, with adoration, with a sense of awe, and they think, if I just get money, I'm going to feel that way about myself. And I can promise you that isn't how it works. And so when you're chasing it just for that reason, and you think that, you know, man, this money is just going to bring me something amazing, as you're chasing it, not enjoying that pursuit, you realize okay, this thing that I think is going to make me feel better about myself, I've been chasing it now for years and years and years, and I feel horrible, and it seems to be getting worse. And that's where people really begin to flag, and they hit that crisis, whether it's a quarter-life crisis or a midlife crisis, and they're just like, what am I doing? And yeah. I think to, if you understand that it's about figuring out and deciding what it is you'd want to do with money once you had it, what kind of value you want to bring to yourself and to other people – then you can make that the absolute core of your pursuit. And I won't even say pursuit of money, but you make it that the core of your pursuit, the core of what you're trying to build and do with your life. And then it becomes interesting because the struggle is guaranteed. The success is not. So once you yes. learn to really believe in that thing that you're trying to build, frame your life around something that you're enjoying, even in the midst of the struggle, then it's you crack through into something that's really pretty beautiful. And then if money comes as well, and you're able to create something that's truly a value to people, even better. But yeah. if that never comes, and you're still enjoying the process, then it doesn't really matter. Absolutely. It all starts with having a powerful mission statement, though, too, doesn't it? A hundred percent. Yeah. What, what would you say your mission statement is? Now it's to pull people out of the matrix. And what I mean by that is the matrix is, is the movie is specifically what I'm talking about. 
right. is the perfect metaphor for a limiting mindset. And I think that not only are people able to enjoy their lives more, have a deeper sense of control and power over their lives, but I think they'll also become capable of more and that you get enough people that are really becoming capable of more executing at a high level. And it's just a better, more interesting world for us all to live in. Absolutely. What do you think are some of the biggest challenges that you faced as you were getting started? From a business perspective or mindset? Yes. Uh, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll explore both. How about business first? From a business perspective, um, and, and I'll answer it at Quest, when you're starting completely flat-footed and you have no credibility in the industry and people don't think they want your product, that initial, like getting some momentum is brutally difficult. There's a huge learning curve and having the energy, you know, going back to what you're saying about it, starting with a strong mission statement that you're really, uh, you really believe in, it lights you on fire. You need that to pull you through those times where it just seems like, wow, this is a really big task. And we used to joke at Quest, if we had known how hard it was going to be when we started, we might not have started. And that's only sort of a joke. Like it really, it, it was a massive undertaking. But we had the naivete of the beginner and we literally had no idea like what was awaiting us. So it, um, that, that was very difficult. It ended up being very rewarding, but that was certainly becoming a manufacturer when you know nothing about manufacturing was a pretty daunting task. Oh, I absolutely believe that for sure. How about from a mindset perspective? I mean, the task was daunting, as you just said. I think a lot of people see the big mountain and think, I can't scale this, forget it. I mean, what was that like for you in terms of uh, obstacles you faced in your mindset just to get going? The mindset journey really was largely back at awareness technologies. So that seemed from a business perspective, I actually thought it was going to be easy. And so I wasn't intimidated by anything. I was, you know, I came on sort of with nothing to lose and everything to gain. I was just a copywriter. So, you know, it was only the only place to go for me was up. But realizing to get so good, you can't be ignored to become the right person for an executive level position in a company. When you start out as a copywriter to try to earn your way to equity in a company, you know, to perform at that high a level required that I change literally everything about my mindset and going from a fixed mindset to a growth mindset, changing what I built my self-esteem around. I mean, getting good at the actual tactics of business, like all of that was just required a, a total rethink and overhaul of my identity. Yeah, absolutely. We've got less than two minutes to our first break. So let me ask, I know you are a huge Bruce Lee fan, speaking of movies. How has the concept of Kung Fu influenced the way you run your business? What are the, what are the overlaps? Well, the, the most specific thing from Bruce Lee, there's really two. Be like water, my friend. You know, that notion that you need to be adaptive to every situation and then the other one, and this has really been powerful in my life, he used to say, kick until you don't think kick, you just kick. And that notion of practicing at something so relentlessly that it really is hardwired into your nervous system uh, has, has been major for me. 
Absolutely. We are coming up against our first break. My very special guest is Tom Bilyeu from Quest Nutrition and also the host of Impact Theory. We will explore both of those companies uh, and, uh, and projects in much more detail as we move along. We talked about how Tom began his career as a filmmaker and how he became an entrepreneur. And we talked about the importance of mission and having a definite purpose, uh, very much like Napoleon Hill talks about in his book, Think and Grow Rich. And so we're just so glad to have you here today, Tom. And uh, in the next segment, we will talk about uh, why Tom uh, started Quest Nutrition, what makes Quest Nutrition different from other companies, how he grew so fast. And we will uh, continue our discussion more as we continue our show. And we'll be right back. This is Success Profiles Radio. We will be right back. to motivate and inspire others to discover their unique talents and follow their dreams in life. This is Success Profiles Radio. Are you stressed out? Because if you are, you're not alone. In fact, research shows that over 73% of all Americans report symptoms of stress, which is a key factor contributing to mental and physical illness. And that stress is usually related to work, money, or relationships. Up until now, the solution to combat the effects of stress have been delivered through pharmaceutical companies. But now there's a natural way to solve this problem without the harmful side effects. The Healthy Primate Stress Support Supplement contains natural ingredients proven to reduce cortisol, also known as the stress hormone, which causes damage to our body. And unlike prescriptions, your satisfaction is guaranteed with a 100% money-back offer on all orders. In addition, a portion of all proceeds goes to PTSD research, and as a bonus, all purchases will include a free copy of the new ebook, The Survival Guide to Living with Stress. So get the Healthy Primate Stress Support Supplement today at www.screwstress.com. Click the Amazon logo. It'll take you where you need to go. Once again, that is www.screwstress.com. Have you ever thought about writing a book? Surveys show that 81% of people wish they could, but many never do. If you're one of those people, I can tell you why. You don't think you have time, you may not know how, or you might not believe you are a good enough writer. When you're working with an experienced coach, these reasons go away because I will help you every step of the way. If you want to know more about how to write a nonfiction book, whether it's business, self-help, or how-to, reach out to me at www.brianckwright.com for more information. Once again, that's brianckwright.com. Welcome back to Success Profiles Radio. So many people live their lives wanting more than they currently have. And this show will clearly demonstrate the principles, if I can do it, you can do it. So let's get back to the show. This is Success Profiles Radio. And here again is your host, Brian K. Wright. And we are back. This is Success Profiles Radio. My very special guest this week is Tom Bilyeu from Quest Nutrition. And Tom, let me ask you, uh, what is your big why for starting this? Usually people have a very, very strong reason why or something life-changing that happened or some grand mission. Why did you do this? Well, Quest Nutrition was really all about ending metabolic disease. And I had grown up in a morbidly obese family. And 
that made it very, very personal to me. And the other thing that was a huge driver was having built a technology company, clawed my way up from being a copywriter to being an owner in the company and um, holding the position of chief marketing officer. And in that time, realizing that I didn't care about the product and it didn't suit me to just try to be a clever marketer, that I really wanted to connect. I really wanted to build community. I wanted to inject my personality into the business. And none of that had been built into the company, the company culture, any of it. And so really the, the three of us that ended up founding Quest together, we all had that same sense that you know, there was just a new way of doing business. And even if it wasn't more successful, it was gonna be more fun. And so we really made that a priority. We made that a part of the culture that you should enjoy what you're doing, um, that everything should be predicated on adding value to the employees and to the customer. Um, we could see that social media was gonna change everything and allow people to build community and to be connected. And so you, you put those together, the belief that we could do something grand on a global scale um, with you know, just being aligned with the way that the world was moving into a, a much more connected, highly social world. And it just was the, the thing that we were all amped up to do. Absolutely. And I know that the uh, protein nutrition bar space can be very, very crowded. What makes Quest different from all the rest? Our whole thing was we wanted to be the first protein bar that wasn't a candy bar in disguise. And it's been really cool to see how much that has changed the entire industry. And so getting out there and timing it like, and this was, this was pure luck. As we're going through this sort of existential crisis of the way that our old business had been run, really wanted to do something new, be community-based, be connected to people, really show them how much we're willing to serve them and, and build something that's of value to them and, and value on a metabolic standpoint, that it's going to be metabolically real, that they can choose it based on taste, but it's going to be good for them, all coincided right with as social media was starting to get big. And also with my background as a filmmaker, I wanted to do content because I thought it was a, an amazingly powerful way to communicate with people emotionally. So we were way early adopters of social media, way early adopters of creating content in-house, creating social content in-house versus, you know, like a Super Bowl commercial or something. So we were out of really wanting to do things our way, counterintuitive. So we were going against everybody else. And then as um, I think it is, it's Warren Buffett that said, you know, if you really want to be successful, you have to be counterintuitive and right. And we, we were those two things. I love that. Absolutely. And you spoke to a little uh to the idea a little bit ago about how nutritionally you are different because you don't have a ton of sugar. I actually have your chocolate brownie protein bar in my hand right now as you're talking and I'm looking over the ingredients and I'm realizing there is really almost no sugar in this. It's fantastic. I'm looking at this 170 calories, only seven grams of fat, uh, 22 grams of carbs, 20 grams of protein, less than one gram of sugar. That is mind blowing because a lot of the other protein bars out there do have a lot of sugar and you're right. They are candy bars in disguise. In fact, uh, Several years ago, I was buying a, I was buying a different bar, and uh, uh, the cashier at the store says, oh, that's a big candy bar. It's not a candy bar. It's a protein bar. She's like, okay, whatever. I mean, no, it's, it's <laughs> not a candy bar. <laughs> it's not in your candy bar uh, section, and it's a whole lot more expensive than your Snickers sitting over there. Yeah, but right. 
Yeah, totally. But I love the fact that you, you have a mission uh, to help people end metabolic disease and to give people something that's actually really, really good for them. And to that end, you went from zero to over a billion dollars in less than five years. That is a mind-blowing accomplishment. How did that happen? Yeah, that going back to what I was saying about just the timing, man, the timing was perfect. The product was real. We were the first ones doing it like that. We were early adopters of social. We yeah. actually cared. So there was like real authentic connection between us and the community. And um, yeah, we just we understood social. And when I say that, I don't just mean like the tricks of how to, you know, game the algorithm. I mean, we understood the the human connection at the center of that. And so you put all of that together, doing something radically different, marketing in a radically new way that was really on the rise right at the time where health and fitness was really starting to blossom. And it, we just went nuts. Yeah, and you've built a very loyal community. Uh, how how does that happen? Do you, do you use influencers in your marketing? I hear that term being thrown around. Influencer marketing is a huge buzzword right now. Yeah, influencer marketing is is going to remain a buzzword for I think a very long time because it's yeah. in alignment with what's true about people. So people find somebody that they trust, they find somebody that um, knows something about a particular area that they care about, they begin to really have a sense of relationship with that person. And so if you as a brand can align with them in a super authentic way, where they're using the product for real in their real life, that it's going to be an organic, integrated part of their social feed. Now, all of a sudden, if you partner with them and, and they're going over the top to really make clear how they use it, why they use it, what's meaningful about it, what's meaningful about the company to them, the people that believe in them, that follow them, especially if you're really smart and it's something that aligns with why people follow them. So yeah. we didn't just go after famous people. We went after health and fitness influencers who were being followed specifically because of the information that they had about health and fitness. So now when they said, hey, look, not only am I working with this company, but I actually use this product in my real life. And they saw that in a sustained fashion. Um, and it wasn't just, you know, we pay them for a commercial. They do the commercial. And then, you know, instantly right. they're on to the next thing that you you can just reach an unbelievable amount of people. Absolutely. And and have you embraced merchandise marketing as part of your brand as well? Or have you just stayed pretty much with focusing on the product and on the influencer marketing? Well, now at Impact Theory, we do a lot of merchandise marketing. And honestly, I consider us a, a merchandise company, even though our actual product is content. So we do social content. We're also developing traditional narrative content. So TV shows, movies, I mean, the kinds of things that you would see on Netflix. And, and our business yeah. model really is to build the 21st century studio, so the equivalent of a Disney. Yeah. Um, so that that's very different, much less so at Quest. Yeah, I love Impact Theory. We'll talk more about that a little bit later on. But I do follow you on Facebook. And when that pops up on my feed, I stop and I watch. And it's awesome. So, um yeah, you're welcome. So let me ask, a lot of companies are afraid to scale large because they don't know how they might handle it. Was this a ready, fire, aim sort of thing for you? Or did you account for the idea that perhaps you might grow big and put things in place to handle it in advance? No, I would say that um, scale is as dangerous as people think it is, that it is as hard to manage as people think it is, but it also gives you a huge competitive advantage. So um, it, it's one of those, man, if you happen to get that tiger by its tail, 
grab it, you know, do the best that you can, scale up, um, really, really take advantage of that. You can get yourself in a dominant market position, which has all kinds of massive advantages. But yeah. at the same time, I wish I had been a lot smarter and had understood it a lot better. I would have done a lot of things differently. Um, understanding when to transition from all the employees that I hire have the hustler mentality and are willing to grind it out. They're going to be here at 2 a.m. on a Friday. And knowing when to shift over into professional management and people that have scaled before and really can paint a very clear roadmap that you can execute against. Um, I was much too slow to respond to that, partly because you're growing so fast, you don't have time to pick your head up and really you know, survey the landscape. And also just I'd never been through it before. So right. there's no question that I would do it differently if I had to do it over, but I'm very grateful for the scale. It, it has obviously served us very well. That's awesome. I think a lot of companies fail because they try to grow too fast and then they don't know what to do when that happens and they're not equipped and they don't have the manpower in place and they don't have the systems in place. I mean, let's talk about systems for a second. That is crucial and critical, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, systems, when you're you're in manufacturing, I mean, that's the thing. Like, This wasn't a software company. This was physical manufacturing that requires hundreds of thousands of square feet. Uh, we had 1,400 employees. I mean, it's just really, really crazy. And if you don't have the systems to manage that, yeah, you're going to find yourself in trouble pretty quick. Oh, I can absolutely believe that. Uh, the most successful companies do live by a core set of values. Um, what kinds of core values were you operating with at Quest? You know, it's interesting. When we sat down to write those, which normally are sort of a couple um, guiding statements, I just thought, you know what, I get it. I get why people want to do this, but it's not usable for the employees. And so I wanted to create something that was, whether they were at Quest or they went somewhere else, that was universal, that they could internalize and use in their own life. So um, I wrote the what became known as the 25-point uh, belief system, which you can actually download to this day on impacttheory.com. And that was things like you can do anything you set your mind to without limitation, um, that do and believe that which moves you towards your goals, that you should only work somewhere that is actually moving you towards your goals because we're going to expect you to work long, hard, and smart. So it was things like that that are designed to really empower people no matter where they're working that are going to be those foundational beliefs that will allow people to acquire the skills that they need in any area to go and be effective. Absolutely. We've got about a minute and a half to our next break. You talked about building a loyal tribe earlier. What do you think people do wrong when they try and do that? I think trying to leverage influencers with like steep contracts that require them to say certain things in certain increments um, is, is just always a losing proposition or trying to scale everything and losing that, that human touch. Um, both of those I think are problematic. If you let things be more organic, if you ask people just to talk instead of to say specific things, I think then one, if they're saying negative things, you know what to address. Uh, and two, when they say something positive, it's, it's believable because it's really coming from a true place. That's absolutely right. We are coming up against our next break. My very special guest this week is Tom Bilyeu from Quest Nutrition and Impact Theory. We'll talk about Impact Theory uh, quite a bit more when we come up against our next break. And uh, we talked about having a mission for your business and what makes Tom's business, Quest Nutrition, so much different from other nutritionist comp nutritional companies and how 
you scale a company really, really fast. We will come right back after the break. This is Success Profiles Radio. Please stay with us. Don't go away. And we will be back with my very special guest, Tom Bilyeu. Please stay with us. is to motivate and inspire others to discover their unique talents and follow their dreams in life. This is Success Profiles Radio. Have you ever thought about writing a book? Surveys show that 81% of people wish they could, but many never do. If you're one of those people, I can tell you why. You don't think you have time, you may not know how, or you might not believe you are a good enough writer. When you're working with an experienced coach, these reasons go away because I will help you every step of the way. If you want to know more about how to write a nonfiction book, whether it's business, self-help, or how-to, reach out to me at www.briankwright.com for more information. Once again, that's briankwright.com. Looking for the perfect destination in Costa Rica, Panama, or Thailand? Concerned about the economy and looking for an escape plan? Then you need to go to escapeartist.com and learn how you can live, work, invest, retire, or do business overseas. Escape Artist has the perfect plan for you. Join our 400,000 readers and get your free subscription to Escape from America magazine. Visit www.escapefromamerica.com and create your escape plan right now. Welcome back to Success Profiles Radio. So many people live their lives wanting more than they currently have. And this show will clearly demonstrate the principles, if I can do it, you can do it. So let's get back to the show. This is Success Profiles Radio. And here again is your host, Brian K. Wright. And we're back. This is Success Profiles Radio. My very special guest this week is Tom Bilyeu. And uh, I want to ask... Uh, Tom, I had Darren Hardy on my show a couple years ago, and when we talked about his book, The Entrepreneur Roller Coaster, he said that people see the really glamorous stuff, but that only really is about 5% of your whole life. The other 95% is not fun. It's not glamorous. It can be downright boring. Do you find that some of that or all of that is true for you? Yeah, it's really fascinating what's happening now where entrepreneurs have gotten that sort of rock star uh, sheen to them when yeah. in reality, like it is a grind. Now, if you love what you're doing, you believe in what you're doing, then, you know, the grind is a small price to pay for that, but it is, it's hard. It's hard. And Absolutely. so, yeah, to, to see like people react that way is, is pretty funny. It is. Um, you talked about having such a large organization. I'm sure you had criteria for people that you wanted to work in your organization, and you alluded to some of that before. How do you decide who you want around you? Beyond the talent, understanding their job. So you've got to be good at whatever it is that you're being hired for. But beyond that, there's really three things that I look for. First is grand ambition. If you don't have really big ambitions. I'm going to seem like a crazy man to you. And I'm not interested in empty dreamers though. So the second thing I look for is drive, which you could also call grit. I need people that are really going to persevere. They're going to actually get the skills that they need in order to make that grand ambition come true. 
Um, and, and that is massive for me. And then the third thing, because normally when you find ambition and drive together, you get people who are just really competitive. And while I think a competitive nature can serve you, the thing that I really look for is compassion. And I want people that want to play as a team. I want people that get excited to see people that they care about win. I want people that want to facilitate other people and help them achieve. Um, so those are the, the three things to me that are just the secret sauce. Absolutely. And I would imagine because your time is so valuable, you want to get to the heart of what someone's mindset is pretty quickly. How do you do that? When I was back at Quest, I had a much more direct route and I don't use it as much anymore, um, largely because I find that there's just no substitute for spending time with people. And so we employ, we're small enough now at Impact Theory where we can get away with this, where um, basic, not everybody, but basically everybody goes through an internship program first. And so we get a chance to work with them and really see like if this is something that has some long-term future. But at Quest, I used to ask um, a whole host of questions, but one of my favorites was the Magic Genie question, which I think gets to the heart of what people value. And so a Magic Genie is going to appear, and they're going to uh, grant you one wish and one wish only. You can't ask for more wishes. You can't cure cancer or you know end world hunger. It's got to be something for you. What do you wish for? And yeah. the answers to that are, are very, very fascinating and really reveal um, what people either think is their primary motivator or actually reveals their primary motivator. And I've had uh, a lot of fun with that question. That's, that's great. It's fun when you have a go-to question like that where you can really see into somebody's heart and to somebody's desire. That's really fantastic. We, we talked a little bit earlier, or you mentioned earlier, about moving from a fixed mindset to a growth mindset. What is that process like? Because so many people get stuck on their little box. Yeah. So first of all, I would say anybody that is struggling with a fixed mindset or doesn't know what a fixed mindset is, step number one is to read Carol Dweck's amazing book, Mindset. And that really differentiates. So a fixed mindset is somebody who believes their talent and intelligence are fixed traits and it's nothing you can do about them. You're born with them and that's it. And then a growth mindset is the exact opposite. You believe that your talent and intelligence are malleable traits that you can change throughout your life through a lot of hard work. And so the first thing is just actually getting to the point where you believe that your efforts are going to be rewarded, that neuroplasticity is real, that you actually can improve anything about your skill set. Once you believe that, then it's doing the hard work to actually gain skills in a particular area that are going to serve you and then begin putting them to use. And so that usually comes with a lot of bumps and bruises. Uh, it needs context. So for me, it was building businesses and actually being in the trenches, you know, trying to build something, seeing what's working, having that just looming specter of financial failure where your house is on the line and, hey, if this business doesn't go well, I actually lose everything. That has a way of really sobering people up. Uh, and you find at that level, there's, I won't say all ego goes away, but there's a certain type of ego Usually, uh, for anybody that's lasted in the game for any length of time, the notion of I'm right and everybody else is wrong goes out the window pretty fast because yeah. you realize that the market's going to tell you what's right and wrong. Yeah. You, you have to sometimes give up the idea of being right if you want to make an impact in the world. No question. Absolutely. Let's talk about impact theory. I love this. Uh, I'm following you on Facebook. 
And whenever this pops up on my feed, I take some time and I, I watch. So I love what you're doing with this program. How how did you decide that this is something that you wanted to do? I mean, obviously, you have a passion for talking to people and learning from them. Yeah, definitely. So this was really a seed that was planted in me when I was in college and I was working basically as a big brother. It wasn't an official big brother program, but um, doing big brother-like work with this kid that really had a hard time. And he was um, very disruptive in class, which of course is why they gave him to me. And I originally got in contact with him just as an extra credit assignment that was supposed to last um, eight weeks. And at the six week mark, they tell you, remind them that you're only coming for two more weeks. And I told him that and he had a conniption fit. And so I ended up making him a promise. And I said, look, if when I come, you'll just do your homework because he would just flop and flail about for an hour. And then when I was about to leave, then he would promise he would do his homework. And so I realized quickly that this kid was trolling me and he would get two hours out of me instead of one. So I said, look, if you'll just start doing your homework as soon as I get here, as long as I live in Los Angeles, I'll help you. And so that turned into an eight and a half year relationship that really only ended because he stopped living in Los Angeles. And uh, long story, but he ended up ending up in foster care. And so he got moved farther and farther out. But this planted this notion in me of just how far behind the eight ball people can be simply because of where they're born and where they grow up. And yeah. that I found that deeply distressing. And one of the things that I always tried to do with him was just show him that there were beautiful places in the world. And so I was dirt poor at the time, but I was going to USC, which is in the ghetto. And yeah. uh, that's where he grew up. So all he saw was a concrete jungle. So I used to take him into Beverly Hills to watch movies. Because the movies were the same price, and it was just a much more beautiful place to be. Yeah, so that. trying to show him that. And then later when I'm at Quest, and I'm, again, working in the inner cities, and I'm running into that same thing, but this time at scale. And I'm seeing you know more than a 1,000 people that have grown up hard, that have struggled in ways with mindset that I just never seen people struggle, where the notion of even going to college is so foreign and so ridiculous that their worldview becomes very, very limited. And so you couple that with my obsession with the matrix as a metaphor for mindset and belief and overcoming these limiting mindsets. And I just knew that at some point in my life, I was going to have to systematize the way that at Quest we were systematizing, you know, getting people into a healthy lifestyle. I needed to do the same thing with mindset. And so, yeah, I started originally doing the show Inside Quest as a way to help the employees at Quest with mindset. And then it just began to mushroom into something much, much bigger and realizing that the way to really impact mindset on a global scale to people that otherwise won't encounter an empowering mindset was to build it into narrative. And wow. so that's how we ended up as a studio. I love that. What do you hope this becomes as it continues to grow? From an outside business perspective, we want to build a studio bigger than Disney. Um, nice. From an internal, what what impact do I want to have on a global scale? I want to make sure that anybody that is willing to embrace an empowering mindset has access to it. And right now they don't. And there are, in this country alone, there are tens of millions of people that will not encounter, won't even encounter an empowering mindset their entire life because no one they know, nobody around them has one. That That's 
astounding and very sad at the same time. I can't imagine. But you're right. You're right. Absolutely. You've interviewed some really fantastic people, and I've had a chance to interview some some fantastic people, too. What are some of the greatest lessons that you've learned from some of your amazing guests? Man, you want to talk about uh, a legion to draw from. So I know. There some really um, amazing things like the woman whose episode we just released this um, Tuesday. So what, two days ago, a woman named Olympia LaPointe, she failed geometry, she failed algebra, she failed calculus and chemistry. And yet she went on to become a rocket scientist. And she talked about how for her, it was, there are so many opportunities that get presented to you to learn from other people. And most people just don't take them up on that. And she said she had a math teacher that actually said, hey, I'll tutor anybody that's willing to you know, come during these office hours. And she said in the entire class, she was the only person that showed up. At one point in her life, she was offered the role as a math tutor. And she told the woman that offered her the job that she didn't know how to do it either. And the woman said, look, you don't need to know it. You just have to be willing to sit there with the student and learn it with them. And so in doing that and having to teach other people, she was like, it really reinforced it in me, which is how I ended up graduating, she ends up graduating fifth in her class. And her story, it, it reads like a book. It's crazy to go from failing, having to take calculus twice in college to ultimately graduating fifth in her class, becoming a rocket scientist. And it was just absolutely bonkers. And it's just the tale of hard work. It's a tale of doing more than anybody else is willing to do, you're going to get these extraordinary results. And that's something that, you know, I see time and time again, or Tim Ferriss, I know that you and I share an absolute fascination with Tim, just yes. skill acquisition. Like, what does it look like to go do? Don't just read about it. Don't just talk about it. Go do it. And Tim is, is the ultimate human guinea pig. But what people lose in that very fun title is that he does things all the time. He does them. He makes them practical. He forces himself to put them into application. And in doing that, he really internalizes it and learns it in just a, a much deeper way. Yeah, absolutely. And I just got done reading uh, Five Second Rule by Mel Robbins. I know she was on your show very recently, too. Yeah, I mean, that woman is is just absolutely astounding. And anybody that's never heard of her, man, do yourself the favor of looking her up. She's got the incredible book, The Five Second Rule. And it's so deadly simple. But when you hear her tell it and really give it the, the neurological underpinnings of why it works, and for anybody that doesn't know, basically, she's helping people overcome hesitation. We all know we should put something into action, but so very few people do. And she was really struggling at a point in her life under just a crushing amount of debt, not yeah. sure how she was going to make ends meet. She's, you know, her husband's business is failing her. She's got kids. It's like, what do you do? And one day she had this image of a rocket taking off and yeah. she just thought in her head, five, four, three, two, one blast off. And yep. she found that just saying that in her own head got her to get out of bed, to stop wasting time. Every time she wanted to hesitate, instead, she just counted backwards from five. And I know how ridiculously simple this sounds to anybody yep. listening, but when you hear her explain it and how to use it, it's really incredible. Awesome. We are coming up against our break. We'll be right back. is to motivate and inspire others to discover their unique talents and follow their dreams in life. This is Success Profiles Radio. 
have trouble falling asleep and staying asleep? I know that drugs can be addictive and cause a hangover the next day. That's why you need the Sleep Band. The Sleep Band helps you fall asleep quickly and easily and for a longer period of time. This results in a more restful and peaceful night's sleep, which is something all of us need. With the Sleep Band, you will wake up fresh and alert, ready to begin your day. You can get your Sleep Band and other great healing products by visiting HealingFrequencyProducts.com. Check it out today for better sleep tomorrow. HealingFrequencyProducts.com. With quality programming, this is Tokinet Radio. It's words you never heard. The do not disturb sign has been around as long as there have been hotels where discretion was a bitter part of value. One lecturer at Cornell University School of Hotel Administration traces the do not disturb sign roots to the aristocracy of the early 20th century at grand establishments such as the Ritz in Europe. It sure is annoying when you just want to be a slug of bed and someone knocks at the door and says, housekeeping, what's the word for the semi-conscious state between sleep and wakefulness? Hypnopompic. There are days when I wish I could wear a do not disturb sign around my neck. What do you call someone who wants to lay in bed all day? A scabberlatcher. It's I'm Carolyn Davidson and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. Welcome back to Success Profiles Radio. So many people live their lives wanting more than they currently have. And this show will clearly demonstrate the principles, if I can do it, you can do it. So let's get back to the show. This is Success Profiles Radio. And here again is your host, Brian K. Wright. And we're back. This is Success Profiles Radio. And down the stretch we come. This is our final segment with Tom Bilyeu from Quest Nutrition and Impact Theory. And I want to ask you, Tom, I know you love Star Wars. Why do you want to be a Jedi? Uh, uh, I'm surprised everybody doesn't want to be a Jedi. I mean, to me, it is, it's deep wisdom. Look, he, he wraps it in, and he being George Lucas, wraps it in you know, the, this cute character uh, of Yoda, I'm thinking specifically. But it, it actually is deep wisdom that has stood the test of time and is actually profoundly good advice. So I think of it more from that perspective. I don't so much think of it as wielding a lightsaber. That's not really of interest to me. But the the Jedi mindset of being able to get so powerfully mentally that you can actually move things with your mind, that's that's pretty powerful. And while I don't think that I'm ever going to have kinetic abilities, I do think that you really can move the world with your mind, as cheesy as that is, I actually believe that. Oh, absolutely. If you believe in the law of attraction, that that's not outlandish at all. Definitely. I think that's absolutely, absolutely true for sure. So let me ask you this, because a lot of people, when they are running businesses, they get so busy and caught up in the minutia of running their business that they neglect the other sides of their life. So how do you find time to work out, run your business and keep your sanity all at the same time? Man, I took a very unconventional approach to this, and and I uh, will preface it by saying I am not the right person to take advice from for a lot of people, but um, my wife and I decided not to have kids, to go all in in the business with what we're trying to do. We founded Impact Theory together. Um, She was part of the founding team at Quest, so we've been working side by side now for almost a decade, 
And that has worked immensely well for us. We share the same goals. We're literally building the same company together. And, you know, it, it just comes down to making sure that you also carve out some time just to be husband and wife. So we make sure that on the weekend that we really take some time to reconnect. Even our hobbies uh, are the same. I've suckered her into playing video games, which I absolutely love. And she has come to love, which you'd be surprised just how much. Um, so that's gotten really fun. There's a game called Destiny 2 uh, that has these things called fire teams. And so my wife, my sister, and I are a fire team and a clan. And uh, yeah, man, we love it. So we've just completely integrated our lives. Wow, that's great. Do you like the newer games or do you like the old school games better? Oh, definitely new, for sure. I mean, the games have advanced so much. While I have a soft spot for the games that I played as a kid, I mean, they just can't hang with the the depth of experience that new games yeah. have. The first video game I ever played was Pong, which, of course, was Atari. <laughs> Nice. It's so basic now. And then then it became Asteroids, which I was a huge fan of. And then Pac-Man and uh, video football games. And, and after that, I guess I lost interest in video games. But uh, yeah, there's a, the, the graphics are so sophisticated and it can hold your attention for a long time. They've gotten much more sophisticated for sure. Let me ask you, Tom, why do you think entrepreneurs struggle so much in their business? I think running a business is hard. I think that it you're up against market forces, you're up against your own mindset, you're up against having to have employees. Usually, not everybody has employees, but if you do, um, you know the humanity of all of that, of making sure that being an employee in your company is an an overwhelmingly positive experience. Like none of that happens by accident. So the breadth of skill set that it takes. Um, to really build something of value that people want, that you can, you know, make for less than you sell it. Like all of that is just this incredibly complicated Rubik's Cube puzzle that um, it, it's, it's always going to make people struggle. Yeah, absolutely. What has surprised you most about your entrepreneurial journey? Um, I think the, wow, that, that's, to pin that down to one thing, I know I'm going to kick myself an hour after this um, interview with I should have said this, but the first thing that comes to mind is I didn't realize that I was a terrible manager and that there was even a difference between being a leader and a manager. And yeah. so that was really a big eye opener for me. And once I realized that, once I realized what a good manager looked like and that I had absolutely no desire to be a manager, um, that was one, awesome for my employees because it meant that I was looking for people that could be a good manager to put them in position to really help them shine, uh, but also was way better for me because I can free myself up to do the things that A, I'm good at, and B, I want to continue getting better at. So leadership is an absolute fascination for me, but management is not. No, I, I totally and completely understand. If you know what your skill set is, you should live in your skill set as often as possible and source out the things that are not in your skill set to people who have that as their area of genius for sure. Um, what advice would you give to someone who might be struggling right now? Wow, that really comes down to what they're struggling with. But if it's yes. somebody that is an entrepreneur, the first thing, one, ask yourself, is there a mission that's driving you? Because that's going to be, and is that mission something that is intoxicating to you? The very idea of doing that or even 
contributing to that is so interesting. It makes you feel alive. It's something that you really want to become the best in the world at addressing. That is going to get you through the hardest of hard times. And then just accepting that it's not a game of how little can I do. It's a game of how much can I bear. And mm-hmm. understanding in all of that, the thing that makes it work is the game you're playing isn't success. It isn't money. It's brain chemistry. And so finding ways to really enjoy you know, what we were talking about in the first segment, to really enjoy the process, to enjoy the struggle, because the struggle is guaranteed. You may or may not ever be successful. That's just the truth. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, you referenced a book earlier, Mindset by Carol Dweck. Um, that's a book that I need to get. I've heard about it more than twice, and so that's my clue. What other? I know you're an avid reader, so I want to ask what other books would you recommend? I know you've probably got a whole list of books that you probably could shout out now if you wanted to. Yeah, I literally have a list, um, which you can get on impacttheory.com. It's the 25 books in order that I think anybody trying to be successful in life should read. Um, I'll give you a couple that maybe you don't hear every day. The first is Lynchpin, because I think right now it's so popular, and that's by Seth Godin. It's yeah. so popular to be an entrepreneur, but the vast majority of the world is not going to enjoy being an entrepreneur. But another way to express your talents and to really push yourself to great heights is to be a Lynchpin employee, somebody that is just absolutely critical to the organization and gets that sense of well-being and fulfillment and he outlines exactly how to do that it's a really really great book and then another book that just absolutely changed my life was the power of myth by joseph campbell um and i i I, if i could make that required reading i would oh that sounds great that's another one i haven't heard of either so thank you for that for sure what are you most proud of in your life or in your career so far my relationship with my wife without question. Like we have put so much energy and effort into making the other person a better version of themselves than they would be if they were by themselves and to make them feel better about themselves. And I I would not have accomplished what I've accomplished in my life if it wasn't for my wife. And I think she would agree that vice versa. And it is the thing in my life that gives me the deepest sense of joy and fulfillment for sure. And it wasn't just, we lucked into it and we're in love and that's all that matters. It's It's really been um, both of our greatest commitment and greatest work of art. That is fantastic. If you were starting over today, knowing what you know right now, what would you do differently? Whoa, that, oh man. So first of all, thank you for even letting me contemplate that. It would be incredible. So having a growth mindset from day one, I would be so much farther ahead. I didn't start developing a growth mindset until I was in my mid-20s. As horrifying as that is to say, that is the truth. Um, so I would have been open to learning off the jump. I would have had my self-esteem built around being the learner, identifying the right answer faster than other people, um, always being willing to admit when I was wrong. If I had had that when I was, say, in my early teens, oh, dear God, when I think about just how much farther ahead I would be by yeah. now, it's, it's a little terrifying. Yeah, well, I was in my 20s as well, so don't feel too bad. When I was in graduate school, I read The Magic of Thinking Big by David Schwartz, and I was reading some of this, even though it was written in the 50s or so, I think. uh, It still was mind-blowing to me for sure. We've got about three minutes or so left in the show. Let me ask you, uh, who inspires and motivates you? This is the biggest question that I ask everybody. 
Yeah, I'll, I'll be a little surprised if you don't get this answer a lot, but Elon Musk is what that man is doing. He is on another planet and soon to be literally on another planet. It, it's just crazy. And yeah. not only is he audacious and dreaming astronomically large, but he's actually executing against it. it it's just, it's crazy. And I can't think of, and certainly because people didn't get this kind of press coverage in the past, like, a time ever where somebody has started at the same time as many paradigm shifting companies as he's done. It's just really inspiring. Absolutely. What's the scariest thing you've ever done, Tom? You know what? You warned me that you might ask that question. And honestly, uh, the, the truth is public speaking. Uh, oh, it scares me as much as it scares anybody else. And, uh, yeah, that's it. I don't, like the, yeah, I don't get scared like that, I guess, is in the truth is anxious. It makes me yeah. anxious. So yeah. I don't spend a lot of time being afraid of things. I fear two things. I fear brain damage and my wife mm-hmm. dying. Those are the two oh. things that literally scare me. Yeah. Uh, but public speaking makes me anxious as the day is long. So learning to overcome that has uh, been a big thing for me. And, and I think it's so incredibly powerful and it's it's such a useful skill. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there's no question that that was one of those. Just keep saying yes. Just keep saying yes, because everything in me wants to say, no, I don't want to do that. So, uh, yeah. Awesome. So we've got a minute until the end. Tell us uh, how we can find you, connect with you, uh, tribe with you and vibe with you. I am very active socially, so you can find me at at Tom Bilyeu. My last name is spelled B as in Bravo, I-L-Y-E-U, across all socials, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, which I guess technically is forward slash Tom Bilyeu. Um, But yeah, you can find me, and if I ever, you ever get a reply, a heart, a thumbs up, anything, that's really me. Awesome. Well, thank you, Tom, so much for being here. It was an honor and a privilege to have you here, my friend. Thanks for having me on, man. I appreciate it. You're welcome. And and you guys, get some Quest bars. They're good. They re- really, truly, I had one before the show. The cookies and cream, amazing. All right. This has been Success Profiles Radio. Join me every Monday at 6 p.m. Eastern as I interview world-class experts and learn how they succeeded, what they overcame, and the lessons that we might learn from them so that we hopefully don't make the same mistakes that they did. It was an honor and a privilege to have you listening today. Thank you for spending part of your day. And uh, – See you next time. Thank you so much. Go make it happen. Take care, everyone. Goodbye. Profiles Radio with your host Brian K. Wright. Each week we'll explore different aspects of success and how